let's see. Oh, today's daf is Tadichet, uh, right? Tadichet. Right. We got to the we got to the Mishnah on the bottom of Tadi Zayin Amud Bet. It's about uh, six lines from the bottom. Hayakori b'sefer. If a person's reading a book. Now, these books are not books like we have today because they didn't have bound books. They had scrolls. It's talking about he's reading from a scroll. Like Megillah. Right, like Megillah. And it rolls, and he was reading Al-Iskopah. The Iskopah is like a kind of a porch in front of a building. We're going to see what exactly the halachic status of that area is. But let's say, you know, it's like the, 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 you know, the step in front of the house. galgela sefer miado. And it, start, it rolls. So in other words, he's holding one end, but it's a scroll, and the scroll unrolls, and it goes into Rishut HaRabim. So it says, Golelo Etzlo. He can, he can roll it back to himself. In other words, you know, like the way that you would roll it like this, and it will come back to you. And it's okay. If he's, he's on the, he's on the uh, roof, and he's reading up there, and all of a sudden, the, it gets out of, you know, it, get, it gets unraveled, and it rolls over the, uh, the uh, roof, and it's hanging down, dangling over the Rishut Rabim. Now the roof is Rishut HaYachid. Now it's dangling. It's in the air of the Rishut Rabim. We're not. We're assuming that it, it didn't come to rest in the Rishut Rabim, right? If it didn't reach ten Tvachim of the ground, so go low. It's low. Then it's not really in Rishut Rabim because Rishut Rabim airspace only reaches to ten Tvachim. It's only the area that's normally used by the public up to ten Tvachim. Anything higher than that doesn't have the laws of Rishut Rabim. So therefore, something higher than ten Tvachim, as long as the object is higher than ten Tvachim, it's in Makom Petur. It's really in a an, a, an area that doesn't have any halachic uh, status. So then he can roll it back. But once it reaches within 10 Tvachim of the ground, that's already considered the airspace of Rishut HaRabim. And one end of the scroll is in Rishut HaYachit. And the other end is in the airspace of Rishut HaRabim. So therefore he can't roll it back because it's like taking something from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYachit. So he has to Hofchol means he turns it upside down so that at least the, the writing of the uh, of the scroll is not facing upward, so it's not as disrespectful. He's like covering it by turning it upside down, and he leaves it there till the end of Shabbat. According to Rabbi Yehuda, even ten tvachim is too strict. Even if it unrolls all the and it's hanging within the size of a needle, meaning if it's at all, unless it's touching the ground, basically, right? Unless it's touching the ground, he can. Roll it back up. If there's even the tiniest amount of space between the bottom of the scroll and the ground, it hasn't rested in the Rishut Rabim, then you can roll it back. It's because if, it's a separate we're going to get into the explanation. Let's, let's, hold, let's just read what it says. We'll, we'll figure that out. Okay, now, Rabbi Shimon, even if it fell all the way to the ground, then it's actually on the ground. He's sitting in the, uh, in the roof. It touched the ground, right? So then he says, that even still, because there's nothing in terms of Shavuot, in terms of rabbinic rules of Shabbat. Right? Why? Like you're saying, because it's, because it's a, a holy object. We don't want to disrespect the Kitvei HaKodesh. It's only a rabbinic rule. Why is it only a rabbinic rule? Because basically, when you're holding the object... Uh, in your hand in one reshut, it's not really considered to be in the other reshut. It's really considered to be where, you know, when it's not really you're not really considered transferring it because you're holding half of it in the original reshut. So if you're in reshut HaYachid holding half of it, holding one end, it didn't fully come to rest in the other uh, reshut. You can't really say you moved the scroll from reshut HaRabim to reshut HaYachid. The fact is that you're holding half of it in reshut HaYachid or more than half. I don't know how much, right? So it's not really a transfer. So therefore, even if it came to rest, Rabbi Shimon says, in the reshut HaRabim, you could still roll it back up. Rashi says, 
כגון זה שלא נפל מידו, שהרי אחז בראשו אחד, ואין כאן אלא משום גזירה. The concern is that if we allow the guy to roll the scroll back up to the רשות היחיד, in this case, then in another case where he drops the whole thing, He's going to go and take it from the Rishut HaRabim up to the Rishut HaYachit. So he had to make a Gzera and say, no, don't, uh, don't even roll it back. But in reality, it's only Rabbinic. And here, since we're dealing with Kitvei HaKodesh, we say it's okay, according to Rabbi Shimon. Now we're going to see there's other opinions here that don't, obviously, that say even in the case of Kitvei HaKodesh, we still have to have some rules. We don't just throw everything out because of Kitvei HaKodesh. Now the Gemara says, Hi, Iskopa Yechidami, the first case where it's talking about you're sitting on a stoop, let's say, in front of the house. And it, the, 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 the sefer unrolls into the Rishut HaRabim. So what is the Iskopai? What, what is the status? Is it Rishut HaYechid? Is it Rishut uh, is it Karmelit? What is it? So the Gemara says, Hechidame, what is it? Ilema Iskopai Rishut HaYechid v'kama Rishut HaRabim. So if you're going to say that it's Rishut HaYechid basically, and it rolled into Rishut HaRabim, so velo gazrinan dilma nafil v'atela atuyeh, and the Chidush here is that we're not concerned that if I allow him to roll it back into the Rishut HaYechid, then when he drops the whole thing in Rishut HaRabim, he's also going to do that. In other words, we're not concerned. That's why it says he can roll it back. Right? If that's true, then we turn to Tzadichet Amud Aleph, Mani, who is the author of it? Rabbi Shimoni. That's exactly what we said at the end of the Mishnah. In other words, that would mean that the first line of the Mishnah that says, if you're sitting in the Rishut HaYechid, basically, and it rolls out into Rishut HaRabim, you can pull it back because we don't make this rabbinic rule that maybe it'll fall in its entirety into the Rishut HaRabim and you'll go get it, right? That's Rabbi Shimon. That's exactly what Rabbi Shimon said at the end, that if you're sitting on the roof and it rolls all the way down to the ground and it's hanging and it's dangling and it touches the ground, you can pull it back because it's Kitvei HaKodesh, because it's a holy object, right? So therefore, we're saying the same thing here. Is the whole okay? condition that the other side, he's holding his hand? Yes. Yeah. That's, it's only in that case. That's the whole point. We're not making a gzerah that maybe it will fall, com- if it falls completely and you're in Rishut HaYechid, it falls in Rishut HaRabim, then for sure you're not allowed to go get it. So the whole question is, if we allow you to pull it back when you're holding the end, maybe you'll also pull it back when it falls out completely. And that wouldn't be allowed. But he says, in the case of Kitvei HaKodesh, we don't make those rules. So, Ema Seva Rabbi right? So the, but the end it says, Rabbi Yehuda says, Afilo enu metzulag menaaretz elag meloch achut. Golilo it's low. Rabbi Yehuda said, as long as the dangling sefer, in the case where you're sitting on the roof, is, is not touching the ground, meaning, as long as there's even the space of a needle between it and the ground, you can roll it back. Rabbi Shimon said that even if it touches the ground itself, you can pull it back. So, we have something strange here, which is that the first statement in the Mishnah you're saying is Rabbi Shimon. Because the, because the iskopa there is really a Rishut HaYechid. And you're saying that even though it rolled into the Rishut HaRabim, he can pull it back. Why? Because it's Rabbi Shimon. It rolled into Rishut HaYechid. It's the same case. In other words, the case of the Gag, where you're on the roof, and it falls down, and it touches the ground, is the same as the case of the guy who's on the porch, because that's also Rishut HaYechid, and it rolls out into Rishut HaRabim, and it pulls back. So you're saying they're both Rabbi Shimon then. So that means the first case of the Mishnah is only Rabbi Shimon, because Rabbi Yehuda would disagree. He would say that since it's actually on the ground of the Rishut HaRabim, you can't pull it back. And, this, and the case at the end is also Rabbi Shimon, who says that if it's hanging down from the roof and it touches the ground, you can pull it back. The middle is Rabbi Yehuda. It's strange that the first case would be only Rabbi Shimon, but mentioned anonymously. And then you would have Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, and then Rabbi Shimon's opinion stated explicitly. Why would you have that? The Gemara says that Amar of Yehuda in yes, that's the only way you can learn the Mishnah. Even though it sounds a little bit far fetched that this, the Mishnah would be set up that way, the fact is that the only way we can understand it is that the first teaching is only Rabbi Shimon, 
Because we're talking the same thing. You're sitting in Rishut HaYachid and the scroll rolls into Rishut HaRabim and you're allowed to pull it back. That can only be Rabbi Shimon. The last case is also Rabbi Shimon and the middle case is Rabbi Yehuda. Now, No, Rabbi Yehuda says, no, I'm sorry, Rabbi says, no. We're talking not about a regular, ordinary case. We're talking about We're talking about a, an iskopa, a porch area that is nidreset, that people walk in that area all the time. And because of the disgrace of Kitve Kodesh, because of the disgrace of this holy book, that's why, Hashem, that's why the, the rabbis were lenient. So now the, Rashi says, So we're keeping according to this interpretation that yes, this is a Rashuta Yachid. This iskopa where the person is sitting is a Rashuta Yachid. It rolled into Rashuta Rabim. But because it's a Makom Hanidras, it's a place that people walk on a lot right by this area. And we know that they're going to walk right over or onto this, uh, this scroll that's unraveled here. That's why even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that you could roll it back and we're not going to make a rabbinic prohibition on rolling it back. Why? Because here they're actually going to step on it maybe. Right? When you're ha- it's hanging from the roof and dangling, okay, nobody's going to step on it. It's a dangling scroll from the sky. Nobody's going to step on it. The concern is that inherently it looks disrespectful that it's hanging there, but nobody's going to step on it. Here, when people might step on it, even Rabbi Yehuda might agree that since you're holding one end in your hand and you're in the Rishut HaYechid, you know what, we're going to let you roll it back into the Rishut HaYechid because we don't want uh, somebody, people to step on it. Okay, that's that. so that would mean that we're keeping the idea that the Iskopaz Rishut HaYechid, and this is really a case of Rishut HaYechid right adjacent to Rishut HaRabim, but in one case where everyone's agreeing you can roll it back because it's a possibility people are going to step on it, in the case where it's hanging down and the only concern is that it looks bad for the Kitve Kodesh, there we might have a machloket between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda. Now, Edve Abaye Abaye had an issue with this because it says, that, in, that if it's rolled out four amot into the Rashut Rabim, then, you, in other words, up to four amot, you can roll it back. But if it's more than four amot that it's rolled out, then you're not allowed to uh, pull it back. You have to just turn it upside down so that the actual writing is not facing upwards and uh, enduring the disrespect. But the idea is that since you're holding the text and you're, you're holding a scroll in your hand on that iskopa, you're holding it, okay? So therefore, in any case, it's only going to be Dirabanan. Even if it rolled 20 feet into the Rishut Arabim, it's not officially resting in the Rishut Arabim because you're still holding it by the other end in the Rishut Ayachit. So we're only talking about rabbinic things. So if the whole point is that if there's a possibility that people will step on it, we let go of the rabbinic rule of rolling it back and we let you roll it back. So what difference does it make if it rolled out four amot, if it rolled out 20 amot, or if it out three amot? It's all the same thing. You should be able to roll it back and it shouldn't make any difference. So therefore, there's got to be something else going on here. He's saying that, we're saying that, uh, uh, that if we're going to uh, if we're going to allow something it's only rabbinic to protect the Kitve Kodesh so what difference does it make moving it from the Rashut Rabim to Rashut HaYechid right in other words you're sitting on the Rashut HaYechid and it rolled out into Rashut Rabim, we're allowing you to roll it back or if it rolled out more than four Amot where you're sort of moving something for Amot in the Rashut Rabim, which itself is not allowed in other words, what's the difference? Why is it all of a sudden worse because it's in the Rashut Rabim further out in the Rashut Rabim? If you're saying that the Iskopa is not a Rashut HaYechid then it would make sense because you could say, well, when the, the Eskopah, let's say, is a Karmelit, when it comes to a rabbinic 
it's only a rabbinic prohibition moving something to from a Rashut Rabim to the Karmelit. There we're lenient, but when it's rolled out for Amot plus into the Rashut Rabim, so you're doing something that if you know, that could potentially be an Isur de Oraita, if it were not for the fact that you were holding one end of it, it could be, okay, then we understand the difference. But if we're talking about where you're sitting in a Rashut HaYechid anyway, what difference does it make how far the scroll rolled out? So therefore, they, so Ela Amar Abaye, rather Abaye says, you have to learn this way, We're talking about a, a, the Iskopa, this, this place you were sitting, reading the scroll, is a Karmelit actually. It's not big enough to be a Rashut HaYechid. It's not tall enough to be a Rashut HaYechid. In other words, it's elevated off the ground of Rashut HaRabim, but it's not big enough to be in front of you is Rashut Rabim. The difference is like this because if you pull it up to yourself, even if it had dropped and you brought it into that, uh, you had brought it into the Carmelite, it wouldn't be a Deoraita. But if it rolls all the way out for Amot, that if it actually completely fell and went for Amot, then bringing it would be an Isur Deoraita of carrying for Amot in the Rashut Rabim. That would be, we wouldn't allow you to do because there there's a genuine possibility that the person could end up carrying for Amot and Rashut Rabim. He'll confuse a case where the scroll rolled out 10 feet, let's say, into the Rashut Rabim versus a case where it fell several feet into Rashut Rabim and he had to come get it. He would say it's the same thing. But when he's sitting on the Karmalit and the only issue is that it rolled out a little bit into the Rashut Rabim, where even if it fell, a, a, a foot into the Rashut Rabim, and he brought it into the Carmelite, it wouldn't be an issue. There we say, bring it, roll it back in. We're not going to make an additional stringency because we want to protect the sanctity of the Kitvei Kodesh. Okay, so then... We have if, to assume that it's a Carmelite now. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Otherwise, the distinction won't make any sense. So, exactly. so if that's true, even within four Amot, we should be concerned because... Why aren't you concerned that maybe he'll take it from Rashut Rabim to Rashut Yachid? In other words, even if the Iskopa itself is a Karmelit, it's in between a house and a Rashut Rabim. So maybe if we allow him to roll it back, he might also, when it drops in the Rashut Rabim, pick it up and go inside the house. That's also a concern. Then it doesn't matter how far it rolled out or how far it fell, right? Why, why not? It's not, it's not far-fetched because almost every house has a Karmelit in front of it. Because you have a stoop or you have something which is right in front of the house that you might sit on that ledge right in front of the house. People do it in the city all the time. You know those stoops in front of the apartments? You know, in terms of like those brownstones, they have the stoop. You sit on there, it's probably uh, some, the lower one would be a Carmelite. Sitting with something, it rolls out into well, the street. Why would be Carmelite? Because it's too low. It's a low stoop in front of the house. It has to be less than 10 Tavachim. Less than 10 It's very possible. It doesn't have to be three. It would have to be like four feet tall. Let's say he lives on the lower... Level. It could very well be that it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you'll say, no, the reason why we're not concerned about that case, in other words, we're only concerned that it might, ro- it might fall for Amot into the Rashut Rabim, and then he's going to pick it up and walk with it for Amot. We're not worried that, that, he's gonna, that if it falls one inch into the Rashut Rabim, completely out of his hands, so that it's not in the Carmelite. He's going to pick it up and take it in the Rishut HaYechid. Why not? Because because since there's a Carmelite in between, even if I pick it up in the Rishut HaRabim, I have to walk through the Carmelite. I'll say that's not really transferring from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYechid because I went through a Carmelite. That's not true. Because Rava said that if a person goes with a package, let's say, on his head, he picks it up in the Rishut HaRabim, he puts it on his head, and he walks for Amot, and then he puts it down. Chayav. 
Now, why would you think he's not chayav? Because actually, the Rashut Rabim airspace only extends up to 10 Tvachim. And we assume that the person's taller than three feet or whatever that is, right? So, therefore, if it's on his head, it's not in the Rishut Rabim. He picked it up in the Rishut Rabim. He carried it for Amot in the Rishut, and not really in the Rishut Rabim because he held it over the Rishut Rabim when he carried it, and then he set it down at the end of four Amot. And yet we still say Chayav, meaning because it started in the Rishut Rabim. And it ended four amot, sep, you know, four amot away in the Rishut Rabim. Even though it traveled in an airspace that wasn't part of Rishut Rabim, it doesn't matter. So, so to here, if a person picks something up in Rishut Rabim and walks into Rishut Hayachid, even though he went through okay. along the way, Karmelit or whatever, it doesn't matter. If he didn't put it down in the Karmelit along the way. If, not here, in this case, if you pick something up in one area, the only question we have is where did you pick it up and where did you put it down? That's what it's saying. It doesn't matter what happened in the middle. If you put it down in the Karmelit in the, w- in the middle of the way, so then, yeah, you, you took from Rishut Rabin to the Karmelit. That was only Isur de Rabbanan. Then you take from a Karmelit to Rishut HaYechid, Isur de Rabbanan. But if the person picks something up in Rishut Rabin without stopping, goes through a Karmelit, but ends in a Rishut HaYechid, so then it would be Chayav. So why are we not concerned over, about that? The stopping over there is considered to be Hanachai, yeah? Yeah, that's what I said. If he doesn't stop, right? Now, it, so it says, We're talking about a long area. In other words, it wasn't tall. It wasn't tall enough to be Rishut Hayachid, but it was a long uh, porch or like le, uh, or like stoop in front of the house. So it was a, a long Karmelit. So by the time he would come from the Rishut Rabim onto that uh, onto that uh, porch, he would realize that he can't bring it into the house. Before he goes into the house, he's going to remember. But meaning, according to that answer, if it was just a small stoop in front of the house, you would have to be concerned that maybe if he dropped it in the Rishut Rabim, he would pick it up and walk in the house because it's a small space. Maybe we're just talking about a regular. The concern is that we don't have to be concerned that the guy is going to walk straight from, if he drops the book, he's going to go get it and walk right into the Rishut HaYechid without stopping in the Karmelit. Why? Because everybody who picks up a Jewish book always has to look at it first, start reading it, look at it, right? So therefore, he's going to be distracted on the Karmelit and he's going to stop in the Karmelit before he goes to the Rishut HaYechid. The only problem is, there's another problem, which is that that might be true, that we have a tendency that if we pick up a book, we have to look at it, you know, for a few minutes, a few seconds, right? So we stop. But what if he did that in the Rishut HaRabim? He picked it up in the Rishut HaRabim, looked at it, and then walked right into the Rishut HaRabim. Why are we not concerned about that? Why are we not concerned that he, he'll take it into the Rishut HaRabim? So therefore, Hamani ben Azaihi, it must be that we're not holding like Rabbi, uh, like Rava. We're holding like Ben Azai. Ben Azai says, meaning, if you go, according to Ben Azai, if you're carrying something from a Rashut Yechid, even though you walk from a Rashut Yechid to a Rashut Rabim, if you pass through a Karmelit, you will not be Chayav. Why? Because every step that you take, it's going to be considered like you, so even though you passed through the Karmelit and you never actually stopped, we look at it as if you also stopped in the Karmelit. Okay, we look at it as if whatever area you went through was also a stop along the way, basically. And therefore, we're going to say that if you took something from the Rishut Rabim through the Karmelit into the Rishut Hayachid, that it's considered like in the middle you stopped in the Karmelit, even though you didn't actually have like a layover in the Karmelit, you didn't actually stop, but you went through it. That's enough 
to break the connection between taking from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYechid, and then it would work. But according to those who say no, that you actually have to put it down in the Karmelit in order to break the connection between the, the uh, departure from the Rishut HaRabim and the, and the arrival in the Rishut HaYechid, they would say that we would be concerned that maybe since there is a Rishut HaYechid right there, you might end up dropping the, the item in the Rishut HaRabim and then taking it and bringing it back into the Rishut HaYechid. There would be a concern. Right? But maybe you threw it. Meaning, in other words, if you're in the Rashut Rabim and you pick it up, maybe you tossed it into the house directly from the Rashut Rabim. The answer is, of course, because Rabbi Ben Azai says that, that uh, even according to his position, that that if a person, anywhere they walk through, it's like they stopped in that area. If you throw it through the area from Rishut HaYechid to Rishut HaRabim, it doesn't matter, right? So it's, it's still going to be that you transferred from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYechid, even though it went through a Karmelit, because there was not a person carrying it. It's only that when there's a person carrying it, it says, Malech Keomit. So, Amar Rav HaChabarava, Zot Omeret, En Mizarkin Kitvei HaKodesh, that shows you that we don't throw Kitvei HaKodesh. I mean, it would be obvious to us, right? You wouldn't take the... If we're talking about Kitvei HaKodesh, you're not going to throw it in the house like that. You see from that that you're not allowed to do that because if you were allowed to do that, then we'd have to be concerned that a person who drop, will, will drop the, uh, the Sefer in the Rishut HaRabim, he'll pick it up and he'll toss it into the house into the Rishut HaYechid to be concerned. And therefore, any time that it unraveled into the Rishut HaRabim, we would have to say that you can't now pull it back because since there's a possibility that it will fully drop in the Rishut HaRabim and you'll toss it in the house, we'll be concerned. So therefore, the fact that we're not concerned is because you can't toss it in the house. And therefore, if you carry it into the house you're going to have to go through the Carmelite. And if you go through the Carmelite, it says if you stopped in the Carmelite because we're following Ben Azai. So therefore, there's never going to be a possibility that you, um, that you actually uh, are going to transfer from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYechid according to Ben Azai since there is this Carmelite in between. That's the basic conclusion of the Gemara according to this way of reading, uh, Abaye's way of interpreting. So that's so it. Now, there is a door over there. You have to stop, open the door. Okay, so we're talking about that there's no door. Don't, don't use your imagination too much or use your imagination more. You have to just, you have to like assume the Gemara thought of that possibility. Otherwise it would, right. In other words, right. If the Gemara is, you know, if the Gemara is saying that it's trying to say, keep all other factors out of your mind. You know what I mean? Always. Because you can always think of factors that would complicate it more. Maybe the guy is, you know, maybe the door is locked, maybe this, maybe that. There's always possible. But let's say he pushes the door open, whatever. It's, it, it was open already, you know. In times of danger, like let's say that you're not supposed to be reading that scroll. That's the times of danger, is a different story. Well, always times of danger, uh, if you're going to get killed, I mean, yeah. Now, so now, now, if he's reading on the roof, so me, so it says like this, it, how can you flip over the text? Because it said that if it's hanging down and it's, it's too close to the bottom, so that it's actually going to be considered like he's rolling it back from Meshut HaRabim to Meshut HaYechid, but he's reading on the roof. So the thing is, so now we understand. According to Abaye, this, the first case was talking about a Carmelite, that he was sitting in a Carmelite and it unrolled into the Rishut HaRabim. That was why it's, it was more lenient and it said he could roll it back within a certain distance as long as it doesn't go too far into the Rishut HaRabim. When it's talking about the, the roof, it's actually a Rishut HaYechid to Rishut HaRabim. It's a little more strict. So, now that's why you have a machlok at there. What does Iskufa really mean? Iskufa. It, means like a le- it means like a stoop in front of the house. Okay. So, so I'm translating it as... Okay. Uh, porch stoop. Yeah. So, so it says like this. How can we flip over? We said if it goes too far close to the Shut Abim, you can't flip. You, you flip over the text. If you can't roll it back, you flip it over so the words are not facing upwards and looks uh, disrespectful. So it's a, how could that be? 
we say that those who write Tefillin, Mezuzot, and Tzfarim, they're not allowed to turn it over upside down. In other words, you might want to do that because let's say you don't want dust to get on there, you don't want dirt to get on there, you don't want damage, you want it to be able to dry, you don't want it to get smudged, whatever. So you would turn it upside down to, to protect it, but they didn't allow that. They said you have to put a begit, you have to put over it a, a cloth. You can't turn it upside down. So the answer is that very simply, that when it's possible to do that, to cover the text with a, with a cloth, fine. But, we, but when a guy is sitting on the roof and it's hanging down, he doesn't have that possibility, he doesn't have that option. That's why. Right? And if he doesn't turn it over, it's going to be worse. In other words, in a situation where you have two options, you pick the option of lesser disrespect. So when you have the option of covering with a cloth, you should prepare it and cover it with cloth. When you don't have that option, so then you use the uh, whatever option you have available, which in this case is to turn it over so that the letters won't be exposed. Okay, What about the fact that it never actually touched the ground? Right? I mean, why are we so concerned about this? We, it never came to rest in the Rishud Arabim. Didn't we learn a million times in Masechet Shabbat that in order to have a problem of carrying something has to rest in the other Rishud and then bring it back? In the case where you're sitting on the porch and it rolls out, at least it's on the ground of the Rishud Arabim. Okay, one end of it is still in your hand, so it didn't fully come to rest in the Rishud Arabim, but at least it came to rest in the Rishud Arabim partially. Here it's dangling in the air. What's the problem? What, why are we concerned it's dangling in the air within the Rishud no Rabim? There's no, there's no Hanakha. So there's no Akiyah because no. so, there's no Hanakha. Right? So, so, so what's the problem? We're talking about where the, where the wall of the house is on a slant. So actually when it's talking about it hanging down, it isn't actually dangling in the sky like we thought, but it's actually it rolled down. You have a roof that is like uh, triangular. So it rolled down and it is close to the ground within 10 Tvachim of the ground, but it's uh, it's on something. Since it's resting on something, that's why it's a concern. So it says, ah, okay. What did you, what did you tell me? You're telling me that it's talking about a slanted wall. So what about the end? That even if it's not, if it's not touching the ground like a, a string, right? Like the tiniest amount. So still, we say that uh, it's not considered to be uh, resting there. So, but the, the thing is that according to you, that in other words, the, the Mishnah made sense when we were talking about it dangling in the sky because he says if it doesn't touch the ground, even if the tiniest amount above the ground, it's not considered to be touching the ground, you can pull it back. But you're telling me it's, it's, it's come to rest. So what difference does it make if it's within, a, even if it's within three tfachim of the ground, it should it be considered the on the ground then. The wall must be part of a house, which is a... Right. Well, but the problem is, then how come he's making a distinction between whether it's touching the ground or not? It, it, that only makes sense if it's hanging down from the sky. And, the, and we understood that it's hanging down from the sky and it's not touching the ground means that it hasn't come to rest. But if you're talking about the wall like this, so it yes. actually has come to rest and it's come to rest in a part of the wall that's very low. Yes. So then why yes. should it, what, what, what is Rabbi Yudha saying? So it says, ah, I'll tell you why. Because there's something missing from our Mishnah, which is, when did we say that you can't roll it back if it's within 10 Tvachim of the ground? Right? The first opinion in the Mishnah, really, when it said, that statement that if it goes within 10 Tvachim or not, that's talking about where the wall is on a slant. So if it becomes within 10 Tvachim of the, of the ground of the Rishut Rabim, and it's at rest because it's on the slanted wall. Right. So then it's at rest in a Rishut Arabim. That's so then it's a problem, right? But 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 if you're talking about a wall that is not slanted, okay, that's when Rabbi Yehuda said his opinion. In other words, according to this way of reading the Mishnah, there's actually 
two different cases there. The first case was according to everybody. That if it's on a, a slanted wall and it comes within ten tvachim of the ground, the Rishut HaRabim, it's considered at rest in the Rishut HaRabim, one end of it, and you can't pull it back. But then when Rabbi Yehuda said his opinion, he wasn't disagreeing with that. He was actually talking about a different case. He was talking about a case where the wall was not slanted, where it was dangling in the air. And that's why he said... If it's below three, tfachim, so then you are, uh, th- then you, uh, you're allowed to roll it back. I'm sorry, if it's not below three, tfachim with, from the ground, you can roll it back. If it's within three, tfachim of the ground, then you, uh, th- then you can't ro- roll it back anymore because, um, because it's considered to be resting on the ground. In other words, that would be the difference. So Rashi says, Okay, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Afilo Enom Misulak Mina Aretz V'chulei, and Rabbi Yehuda goes even further than that. In other words, according to this, there's multiple there's multiple things going on. The first case is the slanted roof. Then the Mishnah really was missing a clause, quote unquote, meaning that there's a silent clause that says that if it's hanging down straight down and it's not resting, so then if it comes within three tvachim of the ground, we normally say that's that's touching the ground already, right? But Rabbi Yehuda said, even if there's the tiniest amount of space, it's still not touching the ground. Because it has to rest on something. Right? So, so that, that would be the issue. Does it need to rest on, if it's dangling and it reaches within three tvachim of the ground, is that considered to be resting on the ground or not? Right? Rabbi Yehuda says, if it's not actually at rest on the ground in some way, then it's not considered at rest, period. Now, what about what Rabbi said? That according to the rabbis, even if it's within three tvachim of the ground, you still need a hanacha. It's not considered automatically to be at rest. You're saying that he's entering into a machloket tanaim. Because who is the one who says that it needs to come to rest even though it's within three tvachim of the ground? It's Rabbi Yehuda. The Chachamim are saying, no, if it comes within three tvachim of the ground already, it's considered to be on the ground. So you're saying that Ravah is taking a position, taking taking sides. Ela... The whole thing is Rabbi Yehuda. We have to correct the Mishnah again. This is what it should say. Even though Rabbi Yehuda says that really what it should say is that when was this discussed? With a when was it discussed at the ten tefachim measurement? When the wall is slanted, but if the wall is not slanted, then even if it comes within. Three tfachim of the ground, you can still roll it back because Rabbi Yehuda says that if you have even the tiniest amount of space between the ground and where the, the, the scroll is dangling, then you can roll it back because it did not come to rest on the ground. What's the reason? Because it has to rest on something. In other words, that is the... And so, so that what it ends up happening is that if it's on a slanted roof and it comes within 10 tfachim of the ground, then that's going to be... Uh, that's gonna, that it's considered at rest in the Rishut HaRabim. You can't roll it back. If it's hanging down, then even if it comes within three tvachim of the ground, it's not going to be considered at rest because it's not resting on anything. So even if there's the tiniest amount of airspace, it's not resting on anything, so you would be able to roll it back according to Rabbi Yehuda. And then according to Rabbi Shimon, even if it is touching the ground, since it's Kitvei Kodesh and it's only an Isur Zorabanan, we allow the person to roll it back anyway. Okay, so that, that's the conclusion of the Gemara. In the dangling case. The dangling case. In the dangling case, which is probably the more common case. No, if it's into a Rishot that's okay. We're talking about that it's in a Rishot It's not your property. Meaning that you're just a lone house, you know, in a Rishot It's like uh, not in a Chatzir. If it's a Chatzir or some Rishot then it wouldn't be an issue. We're talking about that you're, yeah, that it's hanging over the street. 
So in the end, we had to basically amend the Mishnah two times. First, we had to introduce the, this idea that the rabbis uh, say three tvachim is the measurement, and then say, no, 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 it's even within three tvachim, it, it doesn't make a difference because it's not resting. They, that whole issue of the resting is, has to do, is something else that we learned about in Masachet Shabbat, which is klutak mishun chadamya, which is that if you throw something from a Rishut HaYechid, uh, through a Rashut Rabim to another Rashut Yachid, if it's within three Tvachim of the ground, so uh, there was a whole discussion in Masachet Shabbat that Rabbi Akiva says, that, if, that since it was in the airspace of the Rashut Rabim, it says if it rested in there. So it's like you threw from the Rashut Yachid into Rashut Rabim and then into Rishut, from Rashut Rabim to Rashut Yachid. Right? And the rabbi said, no, even if it's within three Tvachim of the ground, since it didn't rest on anything, it doesn't count. That's what Rava was saying. So it's like, oh, you're saying only according to Rabbi Yehuda is that opinion then. And they said, no, 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 everyone agrees. If it didn't reach within, except Rabbi Akiva, if it didn't reach within three tvachim of the ground, it's still not considered to be rested. It has to actually rest on the ground to be considered that it came to rest. And that's why here you'd be able to pull it back. Now the Mishnah says, If you have like a ledge that comes out of the window, you're allowed to put things on the ledge and take it off on Shabbat. We're going to see what kind of ledge this is. Where is it, where is it overhanging? <coughs> if this ledge of this window is hanging over Rishut HaRabim, then what, what could happen is that something will fall off of the ledge and you'll go out and get it out of the Rishut HaRabim. So maybe you shouldn't use it. Put anything on the ledge, it's going to fall into the Rishut HaRabim, you're going to go take it. And if it's hanging over Rashut Yachid, then it's obvious you could use it because what's the problem? Let's say you have a, you're in a chatzir and, and you have a ledge so it falls out so you go get it. No problem. So we're talking about where it overhangs Rashut Yachim. What are you allowed to put on this ledge? Things that break easily. Since they break easily, if they fall off, you're not going to go get them because they're broken. Right? So, you, so it's okay. You al- that's not you're allowed to put it, you shouldn't put it. That's, you're allowed to because you're not going to go retrieve it. The concern no, is that you might go retrieve it. You won't no, retrieve it. If you put a diamond ring, if you put a diamond ring on there and then, you, then it gets knocked off, well, you're going to leave it in the Rishut Rabim, so we're going to take it. But if you put the flower pot and it falls off, it's broken already by the time it gets to the bottom, you're not going to go get it. Tani Nam Yachi will end in a brighter like this. You have a ledge in front of the window. That, uh, that extends into the Shutarabi. Notnin alav karot, vekosot vekitonyot. These are all things that are usually made of earthenware. Okay? The, the, yeah, they're fragile. So they break if they fall. So they're plates or bowls. You have cups, pitchers with slochyot and uh, cups, right? And, uh, and you can use becholakotel ad asarat tachtonim. Not including the ten lower tfachim uh, of the wall, because the ten lower tfachim of the wall is actually connect, considered Rishut Arabim's uh, uh, domain. But anything above that you could use. It says, and if you have two ledges, one directly out of the window and one underneath that, you have two. Okay, so then you can use the lower one, but the one that's upper, the one that comes right out of the window, you can only use the part that is directly in front of the window. So even if it extends to the sides of the window, you can't use that. So of course the question is, what's the story? If it's a very narrow ledge, less than four tvachim of extension, so you shouldn't be able to use even the part that's in front of the window because basically you're asking for trouble. You're gonna, it's going to fall off. And it's one thing to occasionally put things on there that are breakable, but to leave things on, to regularly use it when you know things are going to fall off all the time, it looks like you're doing it on purpose, you wouldn't be able to use such a narrow ledge. Okay, and if it's very, if it's, uh, it extends far, 
Four tzvachim or more. So what's the problem with using the ledge? It's very secure. Should be able to use the entire thing. We're talking about a case where the one that comes out of the window is less than four tzvachim of extension. So he says like this, that you have, two, you have two types of ledges. You have a ledge that extends four tvachim or more out of the wall. Okay, that you can use as long as it's more than ten tvachim over the Rishut HaRabim. What's the problem? It's a, it's a space that's big enough that you can put items on there and they don't have to worry. But what's coming out of the window, he's saying like this, that the, the, the window sill inside, let's say is two tvachim. And let's say the ledge that goes out is also two tvachim. So if you're right in front of the window... Right, so you actually have four tefachim or more that you can use. But on the sides of the window, it's only a two tefach ledge. It's not, it doesn't, because it, you're using a part that's inside. So there you're allowed to use the whole thing. But the parts on the side that are too narrow, where basically you're, you're basically inviting knocking it, being, it, it being knocked into the Rosh because it's not going to be stable. So that you're not allowed to use. Now Rashid talks here, he says, the question is why can't you use the narrow ledge, the, the, the lid, ledge that's not deep? So Rashi says, He says, even though normally you're allowed to place things on Makom Petur, on a narrow area, you're allowed to. He says, that's only temporarily. He says, But you can't can't use it as a regular habit. Only once in a while you need to rest something on it for one second. Because it's not really fit for any kind of regular use. And things are going to fall over all the time, and it's going to look like you're doing it on purpose. Okay, so therefore, if the if you have a ledge that is too uh, narrow or not deep enough, basically, uh, then you then you, it, you're using it as basically throwing things into the rishut habib. So you can't do that. So that, and that's what they're talking about. They're talking about a ledge that is four tefachim, including or or more including the part that's inside the house. So therefore, you can use the part that's directly in front of the window, but on the side that's too narrow, you can't use it. The ledge underneath is big enough that you'll be able to use it, even though it's not directly under the window, but since it's larger and it's above the airspace of the Rishut uh, HaRabim, uh, you're allowed to use that too. The point is that as long as you're above the, uh, above the airspace of the Rishut HaRabim, and as long as you have a stable surface that you're using, you're allowed to utilize whatever is above the airspace of the, uh, uh, of the Rishut HaRabim, and you don't have to worry that you're hanging over the airspace space of the Rishut HaRabim, as long as you're not, uh, as long as you're not using it in a way that is, uh, that, that looks like you are, you know, intentionally have, knocking things over into the Rishut HaRabim because it's too small. But even there, we still have the qualification above that you shouldn't put things there that are things that you plan to, that are, that are not fragile. You can only put things that if they do fall, you won't be able to, you won't go back and, and get them. So you have two conditions. You have the condition that it has to be a space that is a stable space if you want to use it regularly. And you can only put things on there that if they fell over, it would be finished. So you wouldn't have any concern that you're going to go down and collect it afterwards. So you can put, so ironically, you can put like fragile things on there that if they fall, there's no hope of retrieving them. But, uh, but you can't put things that are valuable, that are more uh, permanent, because if they do fall over, you'll, ha- you'll be tempted to go down into the Rishut HaRabim and go collect them, and then you'll come to violate uh, the prohibition of bringing things from Rishut HaRabim to Rishut HaYachid. So we'll continue here.